0: This is a dill pickle, a mighty pretty pickle, especially when he joins you at the show. We have lots of pretty pickles waiting for you at the refreshment
1: center. They're plump, tender, mouth-watering. Wouldn't one taste good right now?
2: Welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews out of the Dark Discussions News Network, www.darkdiscussions.com. We have a special uh, podcast episode tonight, uh, specifically because of a large group of folks that are uh, coming on to uh, discuss some things, and we'll get into that in a moment, but before we do, uh, we do have a co-host from the state of, oh, I'm Philip, by the way, from the state of New Hampshire, and in the state of Virginia, or Commonwealth of Virginia, actually, Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going, my friend? It's
3: going well. Excellent.
2: So, uh, Barrett, uh, yeah, we we have a a big group of folks that are about to join us. Uh, Why don't you uh, uh, let folks know that are listening uh, what we're going to discuss tonight?
3: We're going to be discussing the Indie Scream Halloween Spectacular, and we're going to be talking with several people that have movies um, showing on the Indie Scream Halloween Spectacular. Um, Should be a fun event.
2: Excellent. All right. So uh, before we uh, uh, discuss that, I guess we should go do a roundtable of uh, the folks who have joined us. And I know uh, there's a couple of folks, uh, uh, Mark and Kelvin, who are are really into it. uh, the the whole thing. They're the ones that got uh, us involved. So uh, let's start with you, Mark. Uh, Who are you? And uh, explain what's going on.
0: Sure. Uh, My name is Mark Belasco. I'm the vice president at Adler and Associates Entertainment. We're putting this event together with a in live and also in association with um, American Media Society. Uh, The event is really uh, I don't like to call it a festival because it's not a festival. They're not competing for awards. This is really in the spirit of supporting one another, supporting the artists, supporting indie films and horror. And um, one of the things I think that we have to remember to mention uh, that I'll probably mention more than once because Calvin made sure to uh, to tell me is that uh, um, Indie Scream like scream like app dot uh, in dot live is the address to go buy tickets or get any other information, but you do not need a dot com. Apparently, that's a, a reoccurring problem with in dot live. So you do not need a dot com. it's just indie scream dot uh, in uh, no, and uh, this will be a truly global event. Um, so it can be viewed anywhere in the world. You don't need to download an app. you don't need anything like that. And one of the things that's really, I think, cool and special about it is most of the filmmakers are involved. uh, That can be. They're going to be on a live chat uh, during their live stream. And some will be doing Q&As. I believe most of the people here are doing Q&As. And um, aside from that, when you purchase a ticket, they're available in different ways. You could purchase the event. uh, You can purchase the day or you could just purchase if it's a friend of yours films. But one of the things that I think is really cool is... You can, you can watch it any time during the event. Obviously, you can't watch the live stream before it comes, but you can watch the movie and then watch it again. And I believe it's going to be available um, until the 17th. Is that right, Calvin, after? So if somebody wants to watch it again.
4: That's right. Uh, so everything will be available uh, through November 17th. Uh, and as Mark mentioned, we have 46 different films and shorts uh, that you can watch at any given time uh, during that period of time from uh october 28th through november 20 uh november 17th uh and we have a series of 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 special live events every single day from uh october 28th through november 3rd uh some of which will have a live q a and some will have the director jumping into the live sidebar chat during the movie so fans can uh, chat it up with the directors
5: yeah
0: Um, and I think that's one of the really cool things about what we've managed to put together here is that, um, all of the filmmakers should really has an opportunity to be a voice and to promote themselves because a lot of times, um, especially now there's so much content out there. A lot of people are making horror films and the films aren't getting the audiences that they deserve. And a lot of times, um, the filmmakers don't have the opportunity really to promote themselves or they don't really know how. They just say, well, where do I start other than posting like my film's available, you know, uh, on social media. So I think it's a pretty exciting event. But for people that are looking for behind the scenes or interested in filmmaking or interested just in in horror films, um, there's going to be a lot of little extras along the way. So it it should be pretty exciting.
2: That's good that's good and uh, folks who are listening to this uh podcast through the regular channels such as iTunes or Stitcher or whatnot uh, if you do want to uh, have links directly to uh the the website for the event, as well as uh, the trailer and all that, you can go to darkdiscussions.com and right on the front page is a, a link to uh, this episode of the podcast and uh, all the links will be directly there. So if you do forget, um, you can always just go to uh, darkdiscussions.com. Uh, now, um, uh, Mark, let's let's uh go through uh the guests that you uh brought on for us. Uh why don't you introduce each of one of them to us? Uh and then I know we have one from the UK who uh is uh actually uh, a different day, I think, right? It's twelve thirty already over there. So uh why don't why don't you uh go ahead and uh, uh introduce everybody for us.
0: Sure. Uh well let's start with Sam. Sam Bell, he p- produced and uh directed a terrific uh um horror film this, this is a feature and it's really racking up a tremendous amount of festival accolades uh, which i'll let him expand on and um the film um the lead in the film uh she's i believe sam and her are working together on, and collaborating on a couple other films so i think he's trying to uh develop her into his own scream queen <laughs> uh so that he can kind of get a multi-picture deal out of her or something um but it's pretty exciting what they've been able to do, and it really is, uh, you know, a, a terrific indie film, uh, a horror film, and kind of a psychological thriller. Would you like Would you like me to introduce them one at a time, or should we go ahead and write in, uh, and bring Sam in?
2: Oh, uh, that, that's a, a really good question. Um, I, I guess let's what, uh, just um, bring in Sam first, just because I know he. You know, it's already October 26th where he's at, and I'm sure uh, he he definitely has to get the bed soon. So, um, yeah, go right ahead.
0: Okay, so this is Sam Bell. Sam, go ahead and uh, unmute yourself and join the
5: uh, conversation. Hello. Hello, yeah, I'm Sam Mason Bell, the uh, the director of acting and, uh, yeah, run Trash Hearts Productions. It's good to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank thank you, you for inviting us. Yeah.
2: Now, now, uh, I'm not sure uh, your time frame, Sam. Um, if if uh, it's all right, would it be okay to introduce everybody else quickly, or or would you want to get into uh, your you know film right now and and? Uh, it's cool. You, you can
5: introduce introduce everyone else if that makes it easier for you. No problem. Okay, that's fine.
2: That's fine. So, uh, Mark, why don't you continue with the the rest of the folks, and then we'll come back to Sam so he can talk about his film, so he can get to sleep.
0: Great. Okay, uh, I'm not sure the uh, the way that we're going to bring everybody on from that, but after that is uh, Justin Nesbitt, and um, he has a film called uh, Zoom.mov. The whole film uh, was really, I, when I spoke to Justin, I, I kind of knew a little bit about his background, but I was really enthralled with this film because it's kind of one of the things, and him and I are very eye to eye about this. Is you know, he just refused to cut his outflow uh, during COVID. And he said, well, how do we take all, everything that's going on and create something unique? And so this whole movie takes place over the course of a Zoom call in a company. And it's under that guise. And one of the interesting things, and I'll let him uh, expand on that further, but I thought it was, was very unique. And um, I don't want to steal his thunder too much, but, but I think it's a perfect way to, uh, to describe it is it's basically a time capsule for this period is what people have been coming back to him and, and saying. Um, Shannon Biggs is um, the producer of Shadeem, and this is also a very unique uh, thriller. Um, Shannon comes from a really, I'll let her introduce herself and her accolades, but a a really uh, well-respected background in um, reality, and it serves this film really well, Um, and it's the kind of film that, you know, you watch it and... um, you know, it's a little bit slow because it's so real. Um, and I think one of the things that people that 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 watch it, um, they're really going to understand the value in that, especially from a horror aspect, because um, that storytelling and what she was able to put together uh, really, really was terrific. Um, George Fernandez, um, who's we have two of his films and we're doing a double feature on, on of George's uh, one is called Shallow Grave and the other is Dark Dreams. And George has a really incredible history. So uh, um, it's, it's hard for me to even uncover it. So the one thing that I will just touch base on that is pretty exciting just about these two films is we just got literally in the mail today our remaster of dark dreams george uh so uh and i hear it looks terrific and um it's it's pretty exciting because um uh, not of dark dreams of shallow Grave, and um so i think that's something that's that's really pretty cool because we've been searching for um some other source materials for, for his other films and that Film Shallow Grave, Uh, a lot of people in the horror community, obviously, you know, Vinegar Syndrome, and that's available uh, now on DVD and we we do have the remaster. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to see if I've missed anybody else here. Um, Actually, we were supposed to be joined by one other fellow, but he's not here. Maybe he's confused and he thinks it's tomorrow. So his name is Joseph Strickland, but I'll... um, I'll shoot him a, um, a text or something while, while we get going and see if I can circle him back around. Um, if, you, if he's able to come in, um, one of the things that's pretty cool about his film, which we find this every once in a while with our horror filmmakers, is they're almost, their concepts are terrific. But in an area where there's so much um, competition right now, I mean, just in terms of other things that can steal your attention, then in terms of how many movies are being made and how many horror movies. Um, one of the things that um, his film is is he's took painstaking effort to make it look like an 80s movie. Uh, so one of the things that's challenging, and we just got this in, is to communicate to buyers who have so many films on their desk, um you know, this is intentionally supposed to look like the 80s. Don't watch the trailer and think, oh, this is an old movie. <laughs> not interested. You know, you have to really communicate to them like, look, that's the point. You know, it's not a movie from the 80s. It's not an old movie. It's new. And, uh, and, the and, you know, it's good that he fooled you and made you think that just in the trailer alone. So, um, that's really all I have to say. I'd rather that the filmmakers say their own piece and I'm going to try to reach out to Joseph and see if there's a way we can circle him back around if that's okay, Philip and Barry.
2: Absolutely. All right, so uh, basically uh, let's get into uh, Sam's film uh, and Sam yourself, uh, acting. Why don't you let folks know a little bit about yourself and uh, then you know anything you want to talk about your film?
5: Yeah, no problem. Um, acting is a UK-based film. Um, it's basically about... An actress who's trying to give the perfect performance and how far we go as performers for methods and like that idea that if you're trying to search for that perfection there may be problems if you've got i don't know like trauma or there are things affecting your life like what do we put in Yeah, given the best performance so it was an interesting one to explore Um, we actually shot in like uh january 2020 um, with annabella rich she wanted to play like a psychopath for our next film so it was like trying to craft that story and i'd, I'd always wanted to do that sort of story like years ago so it was just um good timing in that regard. and she was totally open to seeing where we could put the character and then got involved with some of the writing um with me as well which is pretty cool so yes as uh mark said he's played a good decent festivals which is quite nice she's won a few acting awards and uh yeah, well we're looking forward to seeing what kind of response it'll get from the indie screen sort of audience. it be mean, pretty cool.
2: And and now how how did you get involved with uh this festival? Uh you being over uh on the other side of the pond, so to speak. <laughs>
5: Well, we were fortunate that Mark was interested in acting and uh, looking over it and representing it. So when he said about getting involved with this festival, it just made a lot of sense to be able to be put in with some other great indie horror filmmakers from around the world, as Mark said. And just, yeah, like, cause our film isn't, it is a horror film, but it's not your traditional horror film. It's more on that paranoid psychological thriller sense. So uh, kind of almost like the early Polanski sort of stuff way back. So like in that respect, it's good to be teamed up with a variation of different kind of films just to showcase what horror can be, that it can be so many different things. It doesn't have to be just a gore pick or a slasher or a haunted house thing. Horror represents the kind of, you know, like it dives into the, to the chaos of the world in itself. So it's kind of fun to be able to yeah explore that with not the traditional things you'd expect to see in horror. And how did, how did you get
2: involved with Annabella Rich specifically? Because uh, it says here that uh, she co-wrote uh, the story with you. It had had you known her prior? Has she worked with Trash Productions before?
5: Yeah, she done a couple, yeah, she done a couple of films with uh, Trash Arts beforehand. Um, mostly like playing, you know, like a victim in a horror short for an anthology. So this was her first opportunity in her mind where she could take a lead role and really give it all and she's an excellent person to collaborate with. She's always got different ideas that she wants to bring for films. And she simply just goes over them and we see what can work within what we want to do. And yeah, like she's, she started with just acting then gone to writing and now she's even wanting to produce more for uh, 2022. So yeah, it's awesome working with her. Nice. Now, now
2: uh, you, you said this is not a, a traditional horror film in in a sense. Uh how how is that? What what um makes it different than general uh, I guess horror films as as you stated?
5: Well, I think one of the things with the film is because like like I said, it's about method of performance in itself, you're gonna see a lot more um artistic interpretation of like our films are improv-based. So rather than filling the scene for the dialogue, when we're doing acting, we breathe. We do breathing exercises. Or, um, you know, we we try to get the right tone for a certain character. So to put that into someone who's got a fractured psyche, it kind of overwhelms with a, not operatic, but something that's a little bit more um, psychologically damaging, I guess, in that respect. So seeing a character go on a downward spiral, to me, is just to justify in a horror film as seeing you know monsters jumping out and stuff so seeing that character go on their own nightmarish journey that's what to me makes it a little bit different in that respect and the fact that within narrative i wanted to like because we, we we're supposed to use again in method acting we're supposed to use things from our past to help our performance so the whole story has a fractured sense where you're not seeing it chronologically you're seeing it in fractured points like our own memory sets so hopefully that'll give this, you know, like that trippy kind of vibe for the audience when they're watching it.
3: There's a lot of breathing in the trailer. Is that kind of linked to the breathing you're talking about? And in... Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, gotcha. And of course,
5: there's, there's different types of breathing, as you'll see yeah. in the film.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, now, is uh, the Annabella Rich character, the, the character she plays, would we consider her someone that has behavioral health issues and an unreliable narrator, possibly?
5: I wouldn't say unreliable I'm, I'm narrator, more than someone that you kind of like. You want to see them succeed in, in respect with the performance, but because of you seeing little elements of what's chipping away at her. Um, I suppose like her ability to perform as an actor, and then leading her to more going towards the darker idea of playing. Because essentially, the play she's doing, she, she's playing a serial killer. So that's what drives her to what, what wonder what, what kind of murderous intention can i get from it you know so like yeah i wouldn't say it was necessarily an unreliable narrator it's more the one you're stuck with which means you're going to see warts and all as it were
2: now uh so, so at being being a uh, method actress that she's playing um that, that is kind of an ingenious idea that uh, maybe she, she becomes a serial killer herself possibly. Um, but um, where did you guys come up with this idea? Um, because it is kind of interesting.
5: I think it's just, it's just generally interesting that whole idea of method within it. And like, you wonder why haven't been more actors who may have psychotically killed if they're supposedly method actors. And the actual idea of method acting is it's a, uh, I mean, I value it but I see that potentially we don't need to put ourselves through that much trauma in just performing and acting in itself. And I was thinking about like the scenes in American psycho with the, the control that has with the prostitute in the hotel room. And I just thought, well, imagine if someone was just playing that role to try and get into that headset. How far would they go? And then when Bella was yeah, wanting to play that sort of character, I thought, well, I've never seen it from a female perspective. So like, you know, demoralizing the man who's playing the prostitute and for her end goal of, you know, what's it like to be a serial killer sort of thing. So yeah, it was just like trying to take it from a different perspective almost. Interesting.
3: Now, uh, Barrett, you got any more questions? So she's winning a lot of awards for this role that she's got in this movie. So it makes me really curious, more, even
5: more curious about the movie. I think that was the one thing that I really wanted to hope that we could achieve was that if people can accept how great I think she is in the film. And again, award recognition certainly helps with that for the character she's playing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel quite happy to know that people have clicked onto what she's doing. As much as I'm happy with my own work within it, it had to be sold on her being great. Unfortunately, she's great. So we're kind of lucky like that. <laughs>
2: Indeed. Um, now, uh, Sam, do you have any uh, other things you wanted to uh, let the listeners and audience know about uh, acting or, or anything else uh, related to your, your film, your, your production company or
5: uh, Annabella? Well, uh, yeah, we run Trash House Films. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. On YouTube, we are Trash House Productions. And essentially, me and Bella have been working on many different things together. We, when uh, signing acting to Adler, agreed to another film that's currently in post-production another horror film more of a religious ghostly kind of psychological horror but we had had so much fun shooting it last year and in fact today if i'm allowed to mention other films that have with different people uh our slasher the terror black tree forest which is essentially a remake of an american filmmaker dustin ferguson that film is actually out on the 26th which is yeah today so you can actually buy that film from his site. I would give you the direct link, but as I don't have it. And of course, we're here to promote other things. Uh, yeah, just to let people know if they want to check that out, they can check out the trailer on our Trash House Portsmouth, where you'll find a lot of trailers for most of our work that we've been working on.
2: <coughs> All right, fantastic. Uh, Mark, uh, any, anything else you wanted to bring up about Sam's film?
0: No, but Sam, you can feel free to expand on your other stuff. This is, you know, this is really about independent filmmaking and horror films and you. So if it's about you, your work, independent horror films uh, or or indie films, we're, they're happy to, uh, to uh, entertain it. So don't feel limited to just what's going on with, with Indie Scream uh, because that's really celebrating all of those things. And that's what we're here uh, to discuss. So if, if there's anything else you want to expand on, uh, I don't want you to feel like, you know, you can.
5: Um, I think yeah, I think if people go and check us out on the social medias, they'll be able to see that that we have. We're very fortunate to work with a lot of different sales agents. work with Darkside Releasing. We've got a bunch of films with them. Got a load of stuff you can check out that's more non-exclusive. We have a show called My Horror Story, which is like different horror stories that actors tell. Uh, it's like six episodes on our YouTube channel. We're trying to always give some sort of content. As well as obviously having our deals with different people and stuff so yeah please come come over subscribe and check out all the different things that we're currently working on.
2: Fantastic and uh, one, one last thing um, do you actually have a URL for uh, trash house productions.
5: Uh, as in like a website or more. Right exactly yeah. Yeah, we we did. We were more on like just on the basic social medias. you can find us on all of them. uh, Like there's either Trash House Portsmouth or it's Trash House Productions. Portsmouth meaning UK, not uh, New Hampshire, I believe. But yeah, yeah, that's right. New Hampshire.
2: (laughs) It's a a great town in uh, New Hampshire, actually. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Uh, So uh, hopefully folks will uh, get to check out your, your film for sure. Um, and, uh, Mark, uh, who, who would you like to, uh, bring in next? Um, Justin, uh, well, Shannon, George, Mr. Strickland. Um,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, Mr. Strickland did join us. So, um, we had faith in him. That's why I introduced him earlier. I said, oh, he's, he must be around the corner. So why don't we go ahead? Um, I'm just looking at my screen so it's easier. Why don't we go ahead and have Justin come in now? So Justin's film, as I mentioned earlier, is zoom.mov. Um, he's going to be doing a Q&A as well uh, during, uh, I believe, um, probably some of his cast is going to be in, in on the chat uh, during the event. And it's really well suited um, to, what, to what we're doing now into the event, because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the whole thing takes place on a Zoom. But I think when he tells you about the inception of developing of it, uh, you'll find it pretty interesting. So uh, I'll be quiet now and let him tell the story.
6: Hey, thanks for having me on. I am the co-writer, co-director, and one of the main cast in zoom.mov. I thank everybody that's uh gonna tune in and watch it for the festival. And uh yeah, any questions you guys have, go ahead and uh shoot. Well, where'd you come up with the concept? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I was uh I'm uh, managed by um Citizen Skull Productions, CSP And they, uh, my manager there, Liz Fuller has this like, um, Facebook forum chat. She keeps all her clients informed of what's going on in breakdowns and the business and, you know, auditions and just different things. And, you know, she kept everybody, she would have zoom calls every, uh, every few weeks just to check on people's mental health during the pandemic, during quarantine, during lockdown. So I just, you know jokingly in a chat in the forum said haha you can make a whole movie on zoom you know it punches in when somebody talks it comes out when you do in the grid view like you got your wide shot you got your close-up and a couple of the actor writers dm me and said are you serious i said i mean kind of you know i don't know let's i don't know it's a new concept you know we're inventing the wheel here let's see if the wheel rolls down the hill or if it's square you know, so. um we got together, wrote, flushed out a script, um, casted it within the her clients and people we knew. And we, uh, Joseph Cannon, helped write the script. And he's really the mastermind uh, behind all the dialogue and, and the framework of the screenplay. And um, Tristan Cunningham, who couldn't make it, thick, she's our wonderful lead. She also helped write it. So it was just the three of us. And we just kind of brainstormed and put it together during quarantine. and did a rehearsal and uh the rehearsal sounded good uh i told the actors i said you know don't worry if something like i wanted to make this like real like found footage film like a blair witch or like you know something like that like found footage since it was popular i wanted people to think that this was a leaked zoom call and something bad happened on it so i made sure the actors i said if a phone goes off cool If, if there's a noise in the background cool like we don't want if the audio is not perfect your dial up connection your internet wi-fi is spotty or any like let's not stop rolling because I wanted to feel as real as possible and I think we were successful in that and I think it's a, a nice entertaining piece and the concept was pretty simple it's something happened during a zoom call and nobody saw somebody go missing Uh, while they're on this office Zoom call, this company Zoom call, and I think it's something we can all relate to, and I even have the CEO, he stands up, and he's wearing a suit on top, and he's pantsless on the bottom, you know, things that we all saw, you know, during quarantine, and it is a capsule film, and I hope that, you know, five years down the road, when, you know, the pandemic's not as threatening and we're all over it. And it's a thing of the past that people can go back like a time capsule movie and, you know, like Vietnam movies or whatever things that this country went through and the world went through. We can go back and look at it and kind of laugh at ourselves and the different little quirks and things that happened. We even have a character named Karen on there and... (laughs) She's the one that tells, you know, that the police, you know, the police show up to one guy's house and she's the one, you know, they all pointed her, but we didn't stereotype it. She's um, a Latina actress named Cynthia Quillis, who's on um, a pretty big ABC show right now called Why Women Kill. Uh, We had her play Karen, so we didn't hit everything on the nose either. Uh, We didn't want to do that and be too cliche. But, yeah, it it was fun and, and it was successful in the conception and the execution and we thank mark for getting it out to the masses and you can watch it on amazon prime amazon prime video um you know anytime
2: now uh you you you've mentioned uh, two things of uh importance uh to your film based off of uh, the world today. And one is obviously uh, the internet and, and Zoom calls and, and social media and all that stuff. We, we've seen that in some films like the Unfriended series and various other uh, films. But you, you're, you're also uh, referencing uh, the pandemic, the COVID-19. Uh, does your film actually um, discuss these these things, uh, how uh, social media, or, or I should just say Zoom calls and technology have, have changed things as well as uh covid itself because obviously uh, a lot of companies now people just work from home because of covid and maybe that's the reason the zoom call is there because again um we we only have the trailer we 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 don't know if you're specifically referencing those things and I was very curious to know if if you were
6: yeah yeah we re- if this is their first like everybody you can and when you see the the film uh, when you get a chance to see the film, it's everybody's like, this is new. Like, how are you doing? You know, there's a pre, you know, as any Zoom call, some people come on early, some of the employees in the film start talking like, how are you doing through all this? You know, the two employees are like, you doing good, man. It's crazy. You know? So this is, is uh, it just happened. And now they're doing their meetings. They figured out how to have office meetings. This is a new world for all of them. So we kind of take that journey with all the cat, all these characters, And, you know, I wanted to make it real. I wanted, I still have people hit me up. Is Chloe a real person? Is she okay? You know, and I wanted to do that Blair Witch thing of you don't know. And the setting is, you know, it got leaked off a police server, this Zoom call, and it involved a young black female, you know, having harm done to her. And nobody saw it and who done it and a whole setup like that. And why wouldn't, the police want this leaked Zoom file, Zoom.mov, so we call the movie. Why wouldn't they want this out to the masses? Because it would stir more public outcry, like George Floyd, more protests, more people in the streets. Because they're clearly covering up what happened to this young black female on the call. So it plays into that narrative as well, um, you know. And that's kind of the setup. You see a hacker. He found a file. Uh, he's leaking it uh, you know on a, off the server and that's what we're watching. Then he hits you know he pl- presses play on the file and the audience goes in thinking that some hacker just leaked a, you know a, a video. And like I said, a lot of people question ask me if she's a real character, a real person. and I think we were successful in making it feel so real that you might think that she actually is and did exist or this was a story about her or whatnot.
2: Right. And and that's that's makes sense, uh, especially if, if you're doing, quote, unquote, found footage. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the, the things that made found footage interesting is that uh, folks could be immersed as if it is real. And, and it's not just a story being told to them. Um, I, I did have a a question. So so you're you're um, also not just commenting on covid and. Um, Zoom and, and, you know, how people have to work from home and all that. But you're also, uh, as you mentioned, you brought in uh, the example of Karen, though you, you changed it up a bit. So it's not the typical uh, Caucasian woman. But um, you're obviously are referencing a lot of things that have happened within the past 18 months, I guess. Is that
6: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, the lead character, wears a uh, shirt. And unfortunately, she couldn't make it night. She's doing an episode, I forget what TV show, but she's filming a TV show right now. But it says BLCT because we couldn't take the trademark of BLM, which stands for Black Lives Count Two. So that's woven into the narrative as well. And that's why a lot of the reviews are this is everything 2020 in a film. And I didn't want to bore people with a long found footage movie. I make it 72 minutes uh, feature. It's a quick ride, but it's very interesting and intriguing. And all the characters are quirky. But Karen's uh, we made Karen's dad an officer. Who was in law enforcement and that way she had a motivation to be tattletale y and um you know jumping to conclusions and so we didn't just make it some you know karen that like i said on the nose like the cliche karen the crazy neighbor that calls and tells on everybody we wanted a narrative of why she did it and i think we were also successful in representing all, everybody we rep you know we had one guy and there was a little friction I think even during rehearsals in the making of where, you know, he was pretty adamant about not wearing a mask during the pandemic. He was more a red hat guy, if everybody knows what that means, more the red hat. And, but we wanted to include him and have every voice heard because I feel like we don't listen to each other enough um, with all the politics and the internet and social media. So I wanted every voice, even he makes a joke about Gavin Newsom's Vineyard and that being open and, you know, just different things. I wanted everything, every political idea. And these, these employees all like any other office setting all had different political ideas about the pandemic. Is it real? Is it not? Was it set up? You know, uh, every every thought we put in every thought and opinion that happened during the pandemic and quarantine on one call. But we showed that we all get so busy and arguing in our own point of views that you can miss an injustice going on. And they totally miss this girl in her screen, you know, something happening to her. I don't want to give too much away, but they they miss something you know, one of the employees, uh, an injustice going on, and a bad thing, tragedy going on in front of them. They're too busy arguing and trying to prove their point. Um, so I think we were just successful in in the execution of what we wanted, and that's all you can do as an artist and filmmaker. Of like, okay, you know, me and Tristan watched the cut, and we're like, we're really happy. This is what we thought it would be. And, you know, now it's just out for the masses and it's out in the, you know, the ether to to let everybody else take what it is. Is it too soon? I don't know. Maybe it is. But that's the great thing about film is you can watch it back later. Some films are appreciated later in life, you know, like Scarface. And, you know, there's so many films that get a get an audience or a following that get it later. So we just wanted to put it out and, and it kept everybody busy. Um, you know, at the all of my fellow actors that, that were in it, it kept us busy, um, you know, while we were quarantining, we hadn't seen anybody and we filmed, you know, it's like, how else are you, you going to make a movie where you don't have to go to a set and have grips and a light or a camera crew or like we did it all from the comfort of our own homes, which was pretty powerful, you know, and pretty, um, you know, interesting to, to be a part of. And I didn't know how I was going to edit it, how I was going to cut how it was going to put together, you know, we just kind of just did it and it kind of evolved on its own. Now, um, would you be able to uh, give folks uh,
2: where they could, uh, I guess, I mean, you did mention Amazon prime, obviously uh, this, this um, festival, but uh, what about where they can find you on the internet? You know, your any social media stuff or or links you want to give out?
6: Yeah. And I think we're hoping, uh, Mark's hoping to get a street date on the DVD soon. Um, My social media uh, handles are all Justin D as in David, Justin D Nesbitt, Twitter, Justin D Nesbitt on Instagram and Facebook and so on and so forth. Um, I have a movie out on Apple TV right now that I'm in uh, called Hustle Down um, with Tom Sizemore. And then um, I have another film coming out called Repeater next year. Um, I'm, I currently, I just wrapped a film with Michael Jai White called Nogales. Um, I mean, I've been pretty busy lately, um, cause I, obviously the content, um, back, you know, the back load of the content as Mark can tell you, has been crazy. Now everybody's film that they wrote during the quarantine time is getting greenlit and financed. So it's been really busy, but yeah, you can follow anything I'm doing on, on my social handles, uh, on social media. And that's a double T Nesbitt with yep. double T yep. At end the guy from the monkeys, Nesmith. That's that's a different different guy. I get confused with that. <laughs> Michael Nesmith. It's different. It's Nesbit. B I T T. Uh, like okay. Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. I used to get made. I get used to get teased about that. I'm Mrs. Nesbit. It's that Nesbit. So
2: gotcha. <laughs> yeah. All <Movie> right, fantastic, <laughs>
6: fantastic. <laughs> so uh,
2: oh, one one last question is: uh, You mentioned the DVD. Is there going to be a director's commentary or
6: any anything like that on it? Um, I'm totally, I'm totally open to it. You know, I, uh, you know, I'll talk to Mark, whatever, whatever he wants. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard movie to commentary on when you're trying to do found footage and make people believe that it's real, but I think it could be cool. You know, it's a cool thing. Cause you know, it's, it was unheard. We even had cats, this lady with uh, this actress had cats. I said, "Let your cats run wild. I don't let them jump in front of the Zoom call. Let them make noises, scratch you. Like I wanted to be so real, and they did. The cats, her cats, were like unruly during filming. And I only did, we did. Uh, uh, here's a little insight. We did a wide take and a close up and cut that together. We didn't want to do a bunch of takes and." overdo it we want to make it feel real as possible and we weren't looking it's the one movie that you're not looking for perfection you're not looking for audio to be perfect because you can't sell the realness if everything's clean perfect visual you know perfect audio nothing the camera doesn't shake we wanted all of that you know we wanted to feel really like a found footage film found zoom sorry found zoom file film
2: all right. Fantastic. Yeah, and that's why uh, it's, it's .mov. Uh, it has the, that in the title because of the, the file. All right, Mark, uh, why don't you uh, let us know who you want to bring up next to discuss their stuff? Right. And thanks for joining um, us, Justin. So, so
3: absolutely, you.
0: Let's move it um, along. Let me see. Um, why don't we bring on uh, Shannon Biggs? Because her film is kind of um, – Pretty interesting too. And and taking off on the found footage, it's not really a found footage, um, but it's got that reality feel to it. So I think it's a pretty good transition. So um, I I think you'll really be interested to hear what what she was able to do uh, on this film. All
2: right. Uh, Shannon, why don't you uh, let us know a little about yourself and uh, your film?
7: I am uh, Shannon Biggs. I'm one of the executive producers of Shadeem. I'm also co-owner of Argel Bartle Films. Um, unfortunately, my business partner, Jerris Cobb could not be here. Uh, he is actually filming some more really weird, creepy stuff <laughs> as we speak. Um, so yes, as Mark said, we are we both come from uh, mostly a reality TV background, uh, Jairus and I have worked together for 15 years, um, and this concept actually started as a reality kind of field, like idea that we wanted to find, but uh, really our passion is just storytelling. So it turned into a feature film very, very, very quickly. So, uh, quick so quick that we had a TV show on Animal Planet at the time and we found a 2 week filming period and that was that uh, gave me 2 weeks to pre-pro the whole entire film and 2 weeks to film the whole entire film so it was a it was definitely an eye-opening experience but it's something that we have always wanted to do Take our storytelling and talents to the next level.
2: And uh, what's the title mean? Because this, unlike uh, the other films here, Shadim doesn't doesn't uh, mean anything to our listeners. What's that supposed to to mean?
7: So Shadim, if you Google it, um, it it essentially means spirits or demons in Jewish mythology. So it's an evil, evil being that that passes down from generation to generation.
3: So the trailer is very, very compelling. It it made me want to see this movie for sure. Um, That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say that the trailer is pretty much like the movie? I mean, it's it's,
7: yes, it is completely like the movie. Um, As Mark said, it is, it's a little slower. So it's, it's not your horror, you know, running from now because it's Halloween, Halloween, Michael. It's not that kind of thing. Um, it is more of a psychological thriller. And one thing we knew we knew how to do was a reality type uh, feel. So every single person in this movie are real people. No names have changed. Uh, no. No person out like every single person is a real person
6: hmm.
7: so you you have the we didn't have a film crew the people you see on camera are filming uh you know so the sound guy is actually felt uh, is recording sound there was no oh, cool. extra crew no nothing else that's neat so that's we we knew we knew how to do that and we also wanted to capture um because the background connection to the family and to Jerris uh and to myself and to the like we have known each other. So we wanted to make sure that natural feeling came across. So we didn't hire actors. That family is a real family. They you can go Hang out with him in Connecticut at that house that we filmed. <laughs> that, you know? um, so that that we wanted to. We had a we had a script, but we wanted to react to the natural reactions of the relationship that was already already created.
2: Uh, what, what part of Connecticut what, uh, was it filmed in?
7: They're in Danbury. No, we we, we filmed in the Catskills, but they okay. it, it's located in Danbury.
2: Oh, that's kind of interesting because our, our co-host for one of our podcasts, Chrissy, actually lives in Danbury. She'll be oh, really? excited to hear about it. yeah, yeah. That'll no, that's, be kind of fun.
7: Yeah, there. That's where everybody. That's every location we filmed in was a location. Like we wanted it to feel as real and people to be as comfortable to get that across.
2: Interesting. Huh? That's pretty cool. Uh, now. um, what, what, let me ask you about um the mythology and uh the jewish mythology specifically because uh, i as you were t- discussing um uh things I, I looked up and sure enough uh you're right uh the Sh- shadim is related to the jewish mythology uh what what folks what made you folks decide to go that route uh, we've seen a, a number of jewish mythology films recently in the past 2 or 3 years in the horror community and it's an interesting th- uh thing to uh i guess Used since, since it hasn't been as common as, as, you know, Catholicism and other religious horror. So, um, did you guys just come up with this idea or was one of the screenwriters um, specifically Jewish and knew, knew some of this folklore from maybe grandparents or something? Uh, how, how did you come up with this?
7: Uh, uh, so... It's 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 a funny one reason Jairus and I work together so well is that we are complete opposites, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> definitely like the yin and yang uh, part of it. And on that note, I love horror movies. I love any like I'll sit by myself in the complete dark watching a horror movie and get you just enjoy it, love it. He hates it, <laughs> so he can't. He he like he nope he can't he's out of the room. So it was a mix of him trying to get over go, get over his fears, you know, to to own it, um and me being so obsessed and coming up with creepy ideas. <laughs> um but he just googled like or looked up the any name any creature or being that would uh embrace the uh hor the the demon that we're going for, so he just looked and looked up names um and when we he came across the team we t- discussed it it sounds you know it sounds intriguing sounds creepy, so we felt it would be very uh attention getting you know very simple, but we need to know more
2: nice nice out now, now um what made you guys uh, film in Connecticut specifically, or the Catskills? Or was the film – are you guys located over here? Because I just assumed you guys were from Los Angeles, but yeah. maybe maybe you're uh, – No, we're, we're
7: East Coasters. Um, like <laughs> I said, I mean, you'll have to watch the movie, but the relationships that are represented in the movie are real. Jerris is from Connecticut. The, the people that he's talking to in the movie are – Legit, his closest friends. Um, luckily, a lot of them are in the media, are in the film, TV industry, so they get it. Uh, but yeah, that's everything is is real.
3: Nice, uh, Barrett. Any further questions you got, my friend? So, aside from the festival, where can this movie be found?
7: You can find us on uh, just Shadim on Amazon Prime. Um, okay. And also Vimeo, so you can purchase rent the the movie on that. Um, so yep, yeah, and you can the our production company is Argle Bargle Films. We do have a website, but I feel like websites just direct you to other. Traffic. <laughs> so wait, just just look us up on Argle Bargle Films. We have Facebook, we have Instagram, everything.
3: And do you have do you think that your um, films that are going to be coming out are going to be similar to this one? Sounded like you had something else down so the line.
7: That is actually one great thing about us working together. Also, is we do a plethora um, working on a documentary, don't want to say the topic because it is. Uh, time relevant and don't want to uh, get too many people alerted <laughs> yet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll do romp. Like we, we do pretty, cause we've done the uh, everything you can think of in terms of reality TV, but we've also done, we, we started our own YouTube channel. Um, we, uh, yeah, we, we just do whatever can help, can have fun play, telling a story or make a difference, you know? So, um, but that's one thing we wanted to capture in this movie is I, I, I haven't heard of a movie that the documentary film crew that is featured is actually the film crew, you know, so that's one thing that we uh, very much appreciate or wanted to highlight is that's what we could do like we don't need to hire a crew. We've got it, (laughs) you know, Um, so but yeah, we'll, we'll we do anything that comes across.
2: Very good. All right. Thank you. Uh, uh, and uh, hopefully, people check your, your film out. As uh, I'm, I always avoid trailers because I like going in blind. But uh, Barrett told me, as, as he just said, it was a pretty awesome trailer. So uh, maybe I'll have to check it out even before I check the film out. So. Oh,
7: all right. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Very good.
2: All, all right. right. Thank you. All right, Mark. Who do you uh, want to bring in next?
0: Um. Well, I think we're going to bring in George last because he has two films. Uh, one of the things I wanted to expand on just for the audience in terms of uh, when it comes to Indie Scream, uh, which again is Indie, I-N-D-I-E, Scream like yell, uh, uh, dot in dot live. No dot com at the end, just Indie Scream dot in dot live is most of these films um, are still in TVOD or um, in the case of Joseph's at the end. Um, are not released at all. Uh, one of the reasons is, you know, once we get to the end of, T, Tiva meaning to rent or to purchase, uh, you know, once, um, they will be available wider or later, but it was one of the ways that we did curate uh, this, particularly um, this event. Uh, with George's films, obviously, they're classics, so, um, you know, that's a different release history. But I I think one of the things that's coming across to me is how proud I am of these filmmakers because, you know, I attend these markets all the time. And, uh, you know, I go back to to our original discussions and and these are, and I hope it's coming across, how unique these titles are. You know, like, um, even if they take off on some original or some standard horror concepts, they really are um, very talented filmmakers that put, put interesting spins on what they did so uh, next uh, I would like to bring on Joseph uh, Strickland who um, is really just what he's done it's been a hell of a journey for him and we've been there working for a while um, with this and uh, I'm pretty excited literally um, I think we just got the delivery of this film and he's doing the uh, I had some theatrical success right now so I'll let him on. But as I mentioned before, you know, he has uh, taken painstaking detail into recreating uh, the 80s in this film. So uh, I'll, I'll let Joseph speak for himself. From now.
2: All right, Joseph. Uh, welcome. And uh, let folks know a little bit about you and, and your film.
1: Hey, Philip. How you doing? Can you hear me?
2: I sure can. Absolutely.
1: Well, very good. I'd like to just say that it's, uh, it's a, a pleasure. Uh, my name is Joe Strickland. I'm Chicago. Uh, writer, uh, director, and producer of Dual Mania, a psychological thriller. And I think I did a lot of research, even the research was longer than the um, actual shooting. Uh, What got me interested in in, doing the movie Dual Mania, if you listen to the title, if you look at that, it's actually a real um, term. It's a psychological term so i did research with uh dr jay williams in chicago he's a 40-year veteran and psychiatry and i was looking at a, a cable show uh, uh one of those trial programs of um about jeffrey dahmer and i noticed the prosecutor never mentioned dahmer's background because there was a lot of horrific things done as i was looking at the cable you know show and i was like why nobody mentioned Dahmer's past as his childhood his parents really didn't elaborate on it too much so i started doing research and started checking out what's mania or some sort, forms of mania so i start to go into studying schizophrenia and, and depression and those kind of things so i want to know what made a person do that kind of thing which is you now kind of see it occurring different you know parts of the world you hear stories about these kind of things all the time but i want to know what the the mental setup that Dumber, you know, what caused him to do that. So I read a story and about uh, a, a young man going to a psychiatrist in Chicago and trying to have a normal life, talking to his doctor. But this the patient, Tommy Valentine, played by Michael Spitz, um, he really doesn't reveal really what his really true trauma is just what things are troubling him, kind of demons that are troubling him in his past. And that's the basis of the story of Duel Because Duel actually deals with schizophrenia and depression. And the new doctor, Dr. Steve Livingston, played by a great veteran stage actor, uh, Joseph Plummer, um, um, who's done a lot of great films and very multi-talented. Um, he kind of dives into trying to find out, you know, help the audience understand, even though they're looking at uh, some horrific things in this movie what connects him to everyday people you know to us as people because we hear it in the news all the time someone kills somebody they, they, they behead them or they cut their body parts something of that nature then that's sensationalism but really what causes that person to do such a thing and that's what's something I want to dive and get into that storyline and his past and his childhood and how his childhood had a lot to do with while well, he becomes as a man. Same thing goes to the doctor. Psychiatrist, uh, of course, played uh, by Joe Plummer, Dr. Steve Livingston, he has some trouble things in his past, and it caused him to come, want to be a doctor and how to help people. And that was the basis of that story. And actually, i like to clarify, Mark was so great. Mark is a Great guy! I actually try to recreate the '90s, <laughs> not the '80s. <laughs> hey,
5: I have to a, say, I was, tricked. Then,
3: there's a
0: there's a sweater in, there's a sweater in there that I think uh, is the one that, that confuses me all the time because uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was the
3: '80s too, so <laughs> I yeah, found, we found
1: the, the sweater the Goodwill. We went, we went to uh for um to the Goodwill for the. Uh,
0: the <laughs> that, 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 that's what it is. Because when, when, when I was uh, when I was in high school, I worked for uh, one Christmas season and I, uh, folding the sweaters. And there, was, <laughs> and there was a sweater that that I, that I swear made me fi- made me feel like I was seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> we well,
1: you. I didn't even know it. You gave it to the goodwill, and you got rid it. But we found it yeah. so now it's made his uh a theatrical history um, <laughs> we were good. very fortunate uh Philip and baron the, that uh we won over fifteen awards in this film, almost all categories best feature film best direction best actor best act- uh, actress best song um just overall i mean best thriller i mean we were very fortunate in so many different countries. I was very proud that uh the film has got a lot of recognition and a lot of actors. Uh, who participated in film couldn't be here because they're they're working on the set, you know they're working on Chicago PD, uh, and in uh NCI S, um, they're all over the place. So I said, guys, I'll catch up with you maybe next week at the end of this uh, this wonderful uh, uh, Halloween thematic uh, movement, you know that we're doing this uh, this week. But um, another thing I I thought that as I was writing the story down is you know I want to I want to make the movie more like a a film noir, you know, or or neo-film noir. But I've been, we've gotten reviews and and the reviewers like this is more film noir, you know, it's in that category and it's literally film noir, you know. Some are neo-film noir. This is actually that type of movie where it dives into a lot of mystery and a lot of stories about the patient's background and also the doctor's background and how they intertwine.
2: Oh, i have a question about that uh so you have have you know the 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 patient and then the doctor um but uh interesting thing about it that you you've, you've kind of mentioned is that whether whether we have the patient or the doctor it appears that both characters have personal demons or something that that have uh carried through from their childhood um what what made you decide to go that route because that, that kind of is interesting because you have dual characters and yet they both have things in their past that have created who they are today whether they're they're fully mentally healthy or not that they're they're obviously uh wounded from from those things
3: i want to interject on that i want to add to that so this seems like the push this seems like the push and pull of patient doctor As well, added to that, you know, and how they affect each other, and no one is unaffected by that type of relationship.
1: Yes, I think um, I think as anything, most of us we would go to a lawyer, and we wonder why did a lawyer go into that type of work. We talk to a doctor who checks us out. We wonder sometimes in the back of our minds, those who are in this trade of field or interviewing people, how what made that person become a doctor. So if you think about it. The doctors deal with physical, the, the, uh, you know, a regular physician. Uh, psychiatrists, they were more deal with the mental unhealthiness. So that tells you right there that he had to have some sort of troubled childhood. The doctor, Dr. Steve Livingston, on his behalf to even want to go in that research, to study that, because he would have to understand the patients 40 hours a week. makes sense? Yep. So yeah, sure does. Hopefully, that answers that question. That the doctor seeing that, hey, um, I'm trying to uh, help people with their personal problems or personal demons that's in their lives. He has to have some himself to understand it. And otherwise, he's a, he's otherwise he's sort of distant but he doesn't understand it. So he right. has to, I, I The thing about the patient uh, of the patient tommy valentine he may we don't the audience really doesn't know and i left this open we don't really know is the medication having effect on him or his lack of medication or is not taking the medication these things i want to have the audience figure out i learned it from uh Eastwood. never make a movie a b c d leave some a c d and let the audience fill in the rest they have intelligence audience are very smart if we abc it then we as adults want to see the movie again we say oh i understand now At the third time we don't want to see them but mm-hmm. um, the great movies always leave some sort of mystery where we can fill in the blanks like people or everything is not self-explanatory we need to leave some openness in that. there goes the title dual mania you know Um, Another thing uh, I I wanted to say back in the 90s Because I thought it was interesting A lot of effects Because you know the racial aspect The Dr. Steve Livingston He's African American Tommy is a Caucasian He works at a record store in Chicago We used a real record store We were very fortunate We had a lot of help
3: (laughs) (laughs) There's still a record store?
1: (laughs) A real record store There's still a lot around now And and they, they had a poster of our uh dual Mania in their store oh cool that's very that, cool. is, we had pre- that is pretty cool That's very cool and we had a lot of uh we had buddy guy we used his posters buddy guy the blues legend he wanted to be in the movie and i told him this is not the type of movie you want to be in <laughs> the next movie <laughs> but um he he was excited and we didn't get the chance to use his music but we got his poster and we got his blessing on it and uh he said he definitely want to be in the next one and we're getting ready to do that when uh, starting in January, we'll be doing a movie, also a thriller, uh, maybe a Gothic thriller, but it'll be quite mm. interesting. it be quite interesting. Another area that I did want to say to the audience, and I think I'd like to share with you guys, that when I did the research for dual meaning, I also started studying opioid addiction. A long time ago before it was trending. So I wanted to know why was Tommy Valentine being overprescribed by his former doctor? before dr steve livingston got him as a patient why was he over prescribing him a lot of drugs Mm. because we see a lot of addiction so the movie deals with addiction opioid addiction mental illness mental health and childhood trauma that is and and race and race
2: sure sure yeah that's a good point too Well, well let me ask you this because um obviously it it's a period piece and yeah. um th- there's, a, there's a couple of uh interesting things you've mentioned about it uh the first is that you said it's kind of film noir um and the other thing is is that uh as we know with robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino and all of them they they have that faux grindhouse uh old films coming back as well and and you you decided to make this film to appear to be a period piece uh and and kind of um, and this is just based off of um, the trailer and whatnot, a combination of the film noir and and I guess that faux grindhouse or faux, faux midnight movie. Yes. Uh, um, wh- wh- why did you do go that route? Is, is it because it was something that you've always wanted to do as a filmmaker?
1: Yeah, I didn't want a retro movie. I thought it would be okay. interesting because if I brought it up to speed, sort of modern times, people wouldn't identify with it. So if they mm-hmm. make it, it looks like if the audience says, oh, this was done a long time ago. They're mostly can look at it objectively and may not feel some of the things that may brought up offensive, offend them, or make them nervous. I wanted to invite them to say, oh, it's an old movie. It happened a long time ago. But actually, if you look at the themes, are very current.
2: Right, yeah. yeah. Like well, 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 all the things that you, you you've talked about that are in the film uh, can all apply today as well, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah indeed. Um, now, Farah, um, do you have any other f- further questions for uh, Joseph and uh, anything in, uh, in particular?
3: Uh, where besides the film festival can we find it?
1: Um, well, uh, i a good friend, Mark. I, I,
3: I, I can <laughs> feel that question.
0: So so this film really is a sneak preview. Um, ah, okay. You know, this is this has been it just it's still in the middle of a little bit of a theatrical run that uh, Jer, Joseph has. Um, been doing and it may not be available for a while after this uh, because we'll be taking it to the markets and you know going through the um, traditional sales cycle so this is something that if it sounds interesting uh which it uh, should uh i would i would jump on this um this program right away because uh you know it's like anything else you know by the time it gets to either showtime or amc or wherever the case it may be uh you know time may pass so uh, but this is really, you know, an exclusive event. And that's why we wanted to do a Q&A uh, with Joseph. And, and um, I mean, I, I think it's really special what he did here. You know, as you can tell just from listening to him speak, uh, not only does he have an incredible amount of passion, but he has an incredible amount of information and attention to detail.
2: Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Joseph, with with that, um, where where that's can good. folks uh, search for you uh, or find you on on social media or any of that other stuff that they maybe you know want to contact you.
1: Oh, very good. Uh, um, they can find me. They can go to DualmaniaMovie.com. They will find the film, the trailer, all the information. Uh, they can listen to the music. They can get some some sneak peeks of the soundtrack. Um, they can also see where the film is going to be and all the latest updates. They can find me on Twitter at. uh also find Twitter at Dual Movie on Twitter, and also at Joe Strick at Joe Strickland on Twitter. Joe underscore Strickland. Um, you also official uh, Joseph Strickland on Instagram and Facebook as well.
2: Excellent, very good. So uh, yeah, hopefully uh, folks will uh, check your film out, especially since it's uh, like a sneak peek and, and it won't be available for general viewing for a while. So uh, this is a perfect opportunity. Everybody can go check it out. So uh, thank you very much.
1: Yes, and also I'll uh, uh, post real Philip on Barrett before you guys leave. Um, sure. that um, once we put up more information where it's going to be playing the theatrical, we've been in Minneapolis and Chicago. Oh, so we have two other cities we may hit up, and that'll be great. And we get a lot of good audience response. So appreciate it. Ah, well, right. so I wish I lived up-
3: in Minneapolis. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. So Minneapolis, Triland Cinema uh, Theater. It was great.
2: Excellent. And, and uh, I assume people can just go to the, the movie's website that you just gave out, and uh, you guys list where it's showing every so often.
1: I assume. exactly exactly we update it all the time every week excellent
2: perfect all right thanks a lot joseph and uh, appreciate it and looking forward to seeing your film
1: yeah thank all you right. for joining us thank you
2: guys all right all right mark uh what what do we got now
0: so now we have uh george fernandez uh george edward fernandez if you want to uh imdb him so george george has been around uh in the industry the for some time i believe his first movie uh, actually starred, if you remember, uh, Lisa Blunt from An Officer and a Gentleman and um, Don Johnson. And it, it, we actually have that film as well. Uh, and we're, we're searching desperately for one of the original masters, uh, and that's called Ceasefire, and it deals with PTSD. So his film career uh, spans not only some terrific horror stuff, but he has a uh, just a plethora of uh, information and um, experiences. The two films that he's bringing uh, to this um, event. One is Shallow Grave, as I mentioned earlier. We just literally today uh, got the remaster of it, and that's available uh, through Vin- vincent or Vinegar Syndrome, as a lot of horror fans know it, and you can check it out there. And then uh, Dark Dreams uh, is the other film. So um, George can certainly speak for himself, so I'll let him do so and shut up. Thanks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, George, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's kind of uh, exciting to talk to you. Uh, I, have, I have actually pre-ordered, or well, I ordered it, it just hasn't arrived yet, uh, Shallow Gray from uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and and, uh, looking forward to uh, seeing your interview uh, on there. So that's going to be pretty cool, especially now that I'm I'm actually uh, talking to you in person, uh, or at least visually in person. So uh, why don't you let everybody know uh, about yourself and uh, the two films that uh, Mark just uh, discussed?
8: All right. I went to uh, the University of Miami Film School down here in uh, Miami, Florida. And um, while I was there, I was writing, I wrote a play. And I sent the play out to LA and it got picked up and it was produced out in Los Angeles. And uh, I went out to see the play with a fellow student of mine named David Nutter. David has become a big time director with Band of Brothers, Pacific, uh, Game of Thrones, and so forth. And David saw the play, and he said to me, he turned to me and said, "Why don't we turn this into a movie?" And I said, "Okay, we can do that." and sure enough, I went ahead and took the uh the third act and the first act and combined them together and created a, a story and um we called it ceasefire and then we had we went out to l a and we found an actor to play the part a guy named at that time, everybody thought, said he was dead that he dropped out of the business and so forth. But we found Don Johnson. And we brought him to Miami. And we were doing our our movie. And one day, people from NBC came over. And they said, well, we're doing a new uh, TV show down here called Gold Coast. Can we sit in on your uh, screening? And I said, sure. So they sat down. Next thing I know, they're huddled up. And they leave. Didn't even say goodbye. And the next day, Don gets a phone call. And says, uh, those guys from NBC, they went to have dinner with me and talk to me about the series. It's called Gold Coast. Well, as they say, it's history. Later on, they changed the name to Miami Vice. <laughs> oh. And Don, you know, was the biggest thing in, in TV and everything. Don's picture was on every magazine cover in the world. And this is a guy who went out to L.A. and everybody was saying he died he doesn't he doesn't work here anymore. But we found him by luck. And, um, you know, we were lucky and he was lucky. But uh, okay. getting back to his two films, shallow grave, I wrote in a weekend, we were trying to come up with a story. And uh, Carolyn Horton, who's a good friend of mine, we were sitting draining, drain, you know, throwing ideas back and forth. And she said, that's a good one. Why don't you write that one? So I wrote it. And it's a story about four girls who go on spring break. And as they drive through Georgia, they witness a murder. And then what happens when you go report the murder? Well, you better watch out. You don't report it to the killer. And the killer happens to be the sheriff. And uh, that did very well for us, especially in uh, Europe. A lot of people in Europe really loved it. And the next one we did was um, Dark Dreams, which was based on an anthology series. I'd written 26 episodes. I, I grew up watching Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and all like that. So, you know, I used to love those stories. And I sat down and I wrote 26 episodes to create my own Dark Dream anthology series. And then we got the first three stories and we got them raised the money and we shot it and we had some people in Europe that were interested in looking at it to see about uh, showing it there as a, as a pilot. And we did. And then they, there was one of these things of, um, you know, the chairs, the guy who we were talking to was fired the next day and then someone else came and took his place and said, I'm not gonna pick up anything that this guy was involved with. So here we were with three episodes in our hands and what? how do we do it? How do we put them out there? So I sat down and wrote a bridge connecting all three stories. And the bridge is this Dr. Dark. And he's talking about his patients. And these are the pa- his patients are the people in these stories. And we connected it all together into Dark Dreams, into one film. Um, after that, I went to uh, Florida State, where I taught filmmaking. I had some fantastic students up there. One of them was a gentleman named Barry Jenkins, and he won the Academy Award for Moonlight. And another one, Thomas Scott Knowles uh, wrote Pacific Rim, and a couple others. He also wrote uh, the uh, Maze Runner. And one of the the director of Maze Runner One, Two, and Three was also a student of mine. So it's nice to see your students moving forward and doing things and hopefully hopefully they do them a lot more better than I have and um I've also taught at the New York Film Academy in South Beach for five years because I see myself as a visual storyteller I'm a writer first I love to sit down and come up with ideas and stories uh I don't believe like my students will say well what if you got a, a block and I said I don't believe in blocks I mean look around go to the mall just walk through around the block. You're gonna come up with story ideas as you're walking around the story around the block. Just always think of what if, what if this was to happen? What if that was to happen? How do you combine it? And my, my students would start going, wow, you're right. And they would come up with story stories and add them to it. Like right now uh, for 2022, I've got two projects. One is based on the most haunted place in Florida at one time. It's a hospital, a children's hospital that used to be in Tallahassee, Florida, called Sunnyland. And it was literally the most haunted place in Florida. And for 40 years, the building just stood there. They had moved the student the patients out in one day. I went over there 40 years later and I went on a ride along with a police officer and I told her the story about what I had written about Sunnyland. And she said, you want to go see it? And I said, sure. So she gives me her big cop flashlight and says, go ahead. And I said, wait a minute. You're not coming with me? <laughs> And I said, and she says, I got a gun and there's no way in hell you're going to get me in there. <laughs> so I walked in and I swear it was like they just left 20 minutes earlier. The, the file cabinets were there. The desk was there. Everything there. I mean, they're 40 years old, riding away from the rain, rain and wind coming in. But it was just like they just had left the place. And then we don't know why. I believe it's because they were starting to have problems over there. Something was happening. 24 children died like in a year's time. And they never came up with the reason why they died. What they did with these kids. This is kids who were, at that time, they, were, they had mental problems. Uh, a lot of them today we call autistic. What they did with them, they took them to... Chattahoochee was, if you know anything about Florida, it's a state uh, insane asylum. They just put them all in there until they died. Mm. Uh, So I started writing more horror stories. I I don't like to use it horror. I think it's more suspenseful type thrillers. Uh, I believe if you're going to write stories about, and you want to make people afraid, you have to understand fear itself. I went on uh, ghost hunts with ghost hunting groups one of them was in a place called Andersonville which is a old civil war prison war camp in Georgia where thousands of union soldiers were put in there and the south was starving they couldn't feed themselves let alone feed the prisoners there's a little creek that runs through the little camp and the uh, beginning of the creek there's fresh water at the end of the creek it's just sludge because all the prisoners were using it for everything. And I was out there and it was nightfall. And I was out there and I was about half a mile away from the nearest person near me. And I'm just going along and I start whistling Dixie. And then I hear a voice scream, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And I'm like, what, who, who said that? (laughs) I mean, like I said, the nearest person was a half a mile away. And I'm like freaked out. And I go ahead and I grab uh, a camera, digital camera, and I tell everybody to stand attention. And I say, right for, you know, look to your right. Get an even line. And I take a quick picture. And I had about 40 orbs lined up in front of me. And I when I got home, I showed it to my wife. And she goes, I don't believe it. <laughs> she denied <laughs> it. <laughs> I went on another hunt trip to, uh, with a group to this uh, a farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere that used to be a plantation. And they had built this house on top of what used to be the slave quarters. And these college kids were trying to get out of their rent. And what they wanted to do is to prove this place was haunted so that they could get out. So we went in there and I was with a psychic and I had a camera and I'm shooting the psychic and everything. And she goes... There's a little black girl at the end of the hallway down there, and she's wearing popcorn in her hair. And we look at her, popcorn in her hair? What the hell is popcorn in her hair doing? And we did some research later, and we found out that little girls used to take the cotton balls, and they would tie it to their hair. And from us, looking back at somebody like that, it looked like popcorn. So I'm reading, I'm watching with the camera, and I'm going, what does she want? And I didn't hear anything then. But then when I got home, I called my wife over and I transferred the sound to my computer. And you can hear my voice saying, what does she want? And you hear this little voice going, a hug. And my wife freaked out. She's going, did you put that on there? No, (laughs) it it came from there. So we're doing that one, Sunnyland, we want to do. And we want to do another film called Satan's Maiden which deals with a Salem witch that escapes to Florida in the uh, 1600s. And every 20 years, she sucks the life force out of a co-ed in the college. And this one girl is going to be the next victim. And she has to find a way to avoid, you know, how can you go through college? How can you go through midterm exams and everything while the witch is trying to suck your life force? It's a tongue in cheek comedy, uh, black comedy. That we want to do. And I continue to write. And right now I just finished or I'm finishing up a sci-fi story called Desert Storm. That uh I hope to do in one of these um what do you call it? they call it these days, they call it uh uh you know, where everything just happens in one place. In this case, it's gonna happen in the desert. We hope to go to New Mexico or Nevada and shoot it out in the desert with this one character as he runs into aliens, but it's not aliens from outside, it's aliens from inside. And uh, that's what we have to hope to get done towards the end of the year, if everything works out well. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the old guy here, you know, I did my films back in the eighties and nineties when we used film, <laughs> now we have all these new technologies, digital, everything, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I've got a little 4K camera that's about this big. <laughs> and when I shoot with it, I'm like amazed that this, this thing this big is giving me quality that's unbelievable. And I, I just look forward to what's coming up next. It's just amazing. And with all this technology is also the technology of getting your product out there. Before that, you had to go to L.A. and hope to God they don't take your firstborn. <laughs> and they take away your film. Nowadays, you know, you've got so many uh, stories and and so many uh, outlets that it's great. This is the time to do it. This is the time to be an indie. You know, the bad thing is the uh, investors are not going to see the money coming back real quick like before. You know, you sold it to a movie, whatever the ticket sales were. I'm one of those that believes that theaters are on dead note. Dead They're dying. I, I wish they don't, but it's it's just a matter of what's happening in technology. I think what we're doing here, streaming and so forth, that's going to be the future. I really think that and filmmakers are going to go ahead and put stuff out there, and you're going to be able to buy the ticket that same day from directly from them. So I'm sorry, Mark, but I think you guys are on the way out too. <laughs> the distributors are also going to be, you know, looking for new ways to get sales going. It's I always tell my students, it's evolution. You either evolve or you go the way of the dinosaur. And technology is forcing us to evolve. And and, at the same time, you have to be able to embrace it, look forward to it, and how can you use it for yourself to keep on going? you got to wear different hats these days. I'm a writer. I'm a director. I'm a producer. I'm the marketing guy. I'm the distribution guy. I even dig ditches if I have to. And I did it in ceasefire. I dug a ditch because we had to show. Uh, I had to send the crew home. It was overtime, so I sent them home and I stayed all night with my car lights on digging a ditch. To the next day, they go, "Hey, how'd that come?" And I said, "The ditch fairies came out and did it." <laughs> so I'm the old guy. I'm I'm looking at what's coming up. I'm looking at what's coming up in the next ten years and how can I evolve with it?
3: Dude. Any questions? <laughs> I got to say, I love the trailer, watching the trailer for Shallow Grave. It just took me back to all those 80s trailers that I loved so much. They all had the same monotone voiced guy, and it's just a great trailer.
8: Yeah, I want to be still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hell of a career. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I'll say this. Um, I'll, I'll probably um, wait. For shallow grave and watch it on on the Blu-ray that comes because I know you know Vinegar Syndrome does such a great job uh, with their remasterings and all their extras and whatnot. But uh, your other film here, um, yeah, I I, I uh, definitely want to check it out through through the festival. Dark dreams, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and it is interesting how you you took the, this concept of, of three stories that were possibly going to be a TV series. And then you decided to write that that bridge story or the wraparound story is what a lot of anthologies, uh, directors and writers call it. Um, and and so th- this technically, Doc Dreams is itself a an anthology film. Is that right?
8: Yeah. I mean, I've got uh, 26 episodes written. You know, when that? I sit around, nothing to do. I write another episode. My wife goes crazy says, are you ever going to sell those things? I said maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoyed reading them and going over them over myself. You know, and it's uh it's it's like I say, I was I was born watching TV. I mean when I was watching when I was born it was only three channels. And that was it. My father used to say that he'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning and he would hear voices and he'd go out and he'd see me in front of the TV watching whatever stupid old movie they had. Going back, it might be, even be a silent movie, but I was watching it. And I've always had uh, a quick memory for scenes. It's like when we did Cease Fire, I said, we, they showed me the cut. And I said, no, we're missing a shot. We're missing a shot from the helicopter going up. Oh, we never did that. I said, no, we did it. Go search. You'll find it. Next day, they called me back and said, yeah, well, you're right. We have found it. <laughs> yeah, because I remember the scene. I remember seeing it in the dailies and uh you know i don't know where mark is a ceasefire playing still somewhere
0: uh ceasefire you know is a film that uh because of the assets we have i believe it's on amazon we do have a dvd available if you go to um moviesing.com, you can get it there but if anybody out there in this podcast is listening and they they know where a master is or they're working in the house, please reach out to us because I, honestly, there's some woman I, I, for a while, we thought maybe George hired her because she's a collector and I get a call like every other week. And it's like, did you find the master yet? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm like, you know, we've we called here, we've called there. Um, so that's one that, you know, we're constantly, we're really enthusiastic about all of George's work and we're, we're hoping we can, we can find that master because that's really the only thing that's holding us back. One of, one of the the challenges uh, that I think a lot of filmmakers don't understand. I, uh, George certainly does because he's a he's a professor. But when I when I've had a chance to speak with some some filmmakers and in, indie horror filmmakers and indie filmmakers, the first thing I, that I tell them is well, one is you got to market yourself, which most of them don't want to do, but so they don't listen up. But the other is, it's so it's so competitive, um, and with everything going out there, that the best thing that you can do is make it easy for us to sell your movie so if nobody knows you and you're in a competitive genre really all that means is is look at how, how uh dedicated george was out there digging the ditch and it means drop it off where everything is buttoned up to us so that your paperwork is immaculate so that your deliverables are going have a nice neat bow on top so that if it's a difference between saying well geez this film's got a really strong cast, but what the hell's going on with their music rights? And are they going to get this color corrected? And what's, you know, why doesn't this guy return my call, this filmmaker, because he's going doing something else. But, you know, look at this guy's film. It's ready to go. Everything's here. He cut the trailer two different ways. He gave us some artwork, you you know. And it's one of the things that you can see with the guys that uh, Justin, who we spoke to earlier, was kind of a lot like that because he's used to producing things that are are better, uh, not better, bigger, I should say. And with with this film, the only thing that's really held his back his, his his film earlier is that well, it was shot on Zoom, you know, so which is a great um, thing. But you know, if somebody's looking for four K content, well, it's it's not going to be that, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. So it's something that they they have to consider. Um, but with all of George's work, is worth seeing, uh, you know. And I think that w- especially with this. Um, indie screen you know we're showing these films back to back george you're going to be on the uh, live chat correct george right yeah and he's going to be doing a QA. and as you can tell just from this little segment here he's you know he's got so much information and he's someone that uh, our ceo um who couldn't be on the call today she is such a big fan of george's i mean we're, you know uh we're, we're, she's always like what are we going to produce with george what do what we make? I think we can just go do it. You know, go do this movie or that movie with them. So I'm sure that in the, in the near future there'll be there'll be something, seeing something uh, uh, new from George that, uh, that that Maria's EP because she's a, she's a huge champion of this.
8: Yeah, Philip, you were talking about uh, Grindhouse. Uh, my mentor is a gentleman named Bill Grafe, and he's like the grandfather, one of the grandfathers of Grindhouse. Um, he's invited to LA. At, by Tarantino every year to show some of his films. And he he was gonna be here with me, but his wife became sick and couldn't do it. But um, Bill has all his films. And every 11 years, he resell, he puts them out. And right now he's got a guy from Germany calling him, wanting his films to watch over in Europe. And he's got all whatever, 20 films of his that he puts out there every 11 years, just puts it out there over and over again. Why? Because every 20 years you got a whole new audience. I mean, look at these young kids. Have they? Have they all seen Scarface? Hell, no. I mean, my son is probably one of the few because he used to, he grew up watching DVDs that I always had of collections of films. But you know, my daughter, I used to love it when my my young my oldest daughter used to watch uh, uh, t- uh, what do you call it uh, Turner movies. One day she turned to me and she says, you know, Dad, this guy named Clark Gable, he's sexy. And I thought, you know, this girl's born 20 years after the man died, but he still has that power, that charisma. And you only find that in those old movies sometimes. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's something I think, like when I was teaching, I would ask my students, what's the first movie they remember? And they would always say, E.T., 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 you know, and I said, my first movie was uh, Forbidden Planet. Okay, I wanted a Robbie the Robot <laughs> for Christmas. Yeah. I wanted I wanted the spaceship. I wanted the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I think that... The, kids the
2: monster don't... from the id. You want that, too.
8: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I
8: wanted Earl Holliman to cook me dinner.
0: <laughs>
8: right. Uh, you know, you have that thing where the kids these days don't watch the old movies. They don't watch him I, I mean, I had that in film school. I showed them one time we had it we created this thing up in Florida State. every Wednesday night, we would show a movie, an old movie, and I showed this western. it was called the Searchers." Oh, yeah. one of the kids comes up to me and says, uh, that guy, John Wayne, does he do anything else <laughs>
0: Shootest, you, uh, you gotta see the a shooters. couple
8: of things here and there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a couple, <laughs> yeah,
8: you know, they've never seen a Western, they never saw a Western, you know, yeah, and crazy. they never saw a John Wayne Western. It was like, you know, oh my god, and you're film students, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you know, that's but, why
8: I, I, one of the biggest thing I always wanted was the film students should go back to movies from the 30s and 40s,
2: Yeah, no, for sure, you
8: know, and watch them. And then come and tell me what you thought of them. Yeah, that's tell the me about man. the Godfather. I mean, the Godfather to me is a perfect script. The first one. It's a yeah, that was, that, that was a great, great.
2: I film. totally agree. That, that, that,
8: I that's them. my first film with, that I
2: remember is the Godfather.
8: I always show them the first five minutes of the Godfather, and I always tell them, "Okay, now how long have they known each other? This guy and Don Carleon, How long have they know each other?
0: Act like a, a man." Time.
8: You know, I don't know <laughs> how long. He says, he said, my wife is the godmother of your daughter.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You're talking about him. I thought you were talking about Johnny Fontaine. Yeah, yeah. Johnny,
8: okay. yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's talking about you know. This is my wife was the godfather of your godmother of your daughter. You know, that's how back. That's how far back we've known each other. You know, all that's in the script in the first five minutes, and the kids don't realize that. They think a right. the script is you say one thing, he says another, back and forth. And I always told them, go to a mall, buy a big Slurpee, and just sit there and listen to people talk. People do not finish full sentences at times. Right. Cut off, you know, yep. and that's so hard to do as a writer. And that's something they had to learn. They had to teach. I had to teach them that. And I always just told, I always told them, you know, just listen to other people, you know, and then always say to yourself, what if those are the two magic words that a screenwriter needs? What if, and you can create anything you want story-wise and It's just amazing how it can work.
2: Indeed. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, um, uh one question i have to wrap up is uh how did, how did you get involved with vinegar syndrome how, how did they find you and 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 all that that that's pretty exciting
8: with uh with the what uh the, these guys the uh, marie adler
2: but the the vinegar syndrome get, getting involved with them and, and having your film remastered and all that other good stuff on the, on oh, the blu-ray
8: well that's through marie adler's people oh, anyway, all right. got the movie to them uh and nice. especially- Oh wait, I did do a new, an interview. Maybe that's the guy I did the interview with. And he interviewed the director, Richie Stiles, and he yep. does a thing where he as a, you watch the movie, you can hear the director's comments. Yep. You no. Know, there's there's a scene there in the early part of the scene, which uh I better not say people might listen, to get the wrong idea. <laughs> but <laughs> you'll see it. It's a shower scene. Let's put it there. <laughs> it was right. interesting. Um Two actresses showed up that day, and I thought I'd get both of them in the shower, but uh, the other one turned out to be the mother of the actress, and she was much better looking. <laughs> and you get the show at the Barrett.
2: Indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's, a, you know, the midnight movies, you know, that they're they're all coming back and people are yeah, going to the, get the, 90s. the
8: I mean, you had full nudity in those days. <laughs> and I wanted to make a sale in Europe. <laughs> yeah right right that's true yeah that's they, they used true. to do yeah. that now yeah. they don't care
2: <laughs> yeah right that's true too very well very well well hopefully, hopefully folks will find uh the, the the master of of your first film that would, that would be awesome but uh
8: yeah but i mean Cheese fire. that's yeah. your that's my legacy film i've got another one i'm planning ahead in the next few years but ceasefire is the legacy film i mean because i i'm a vet okay. um And this was something I wanted to talk about was, you know, we lost 52,000 guys in Vietnam and we lost another 52,000 within the first 24 months of coming home.
1: Yeah,
8: you know, this (sighs) is something that even today, today we're losing 22 vets a day. Because you don't go to war, get on a plane and then you're home. I remember coming home, we arrived in San Francisco and in in the middle of the night and then they took us to san francisco airport and they just dropped off 300 guys we'd been in the bush less than 24 hours before and here you are walking down san francisco's airport three o'clock in the morning waiting for flights going to the east coast they don't leave till like nine or ten in the morning people got drunk people got in fights people got arrested because we were just you know you just can't go from war to home my father was in world war ii when he came home from japan he spent six weeks on a ship with other veterans talking about their experiences and so forth and decompressing we don't decompress anymore we just get on a plane and go home and then you wonder why you know kids go out and burn their uniforms and all their medals and then they don't want to talk to anybody and end up going into the woods and killing themselves. Because they don't decompress. There's nobody to talk to. I was lucky. My father was a vet, so he sat down with me and he told me his stories. And that's how how you know you survive by telling each other your story. You know, and hope that you know you can listen to it and feel it.
1: But Indeed.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know it's a it's a, a big big thing in the news for the past. Twenty years longer all the way back to the i mean the seventies when all the Vietnam films were coming out and and yeah the vets uh it's it's a tough thing and
8: uh i had i had the greatest feeling I had after ceasefire was uh a young woman came up to me and she said, I want to thank you for that movie because now I understand my father
2: right
0: about that
8: that's it. Yeah. That's it. now she understood what happened, and she understood why he needed to be held sometimes. And, you know, Don, when we're going through it, there's a scene in ceasefire where he slaps his wife. And that's a no-no in our culture. And Don says, you know, he runs and the scene goes, he's supposed to run into her again and talk to her again. Says, what do I say? What do I do? And I said, Don, you don't say anything. You just look at her and see what you did because she's got a fat lip. You look at her and see what you did. And you walk away. Because there's no words that you can say that will help her feel better or eliminate the problem that happened i wanted people to understand don they were in love with don and when this happened they want to know why and the why is because he was suffering and he needed help yep.
2: so.
8: Ugh, that's my 20 cents <laughs>
2: No, thanks for sharing. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, before we uh, let you go, George, uh, how, is there any any place you want folks to know where they can find you, uh, You know where you teach, all these other good stuff?
8: Well, I'm not teaching anymore, but uh, okay. I've got this week, I've got a uh, Facebook page coming up, as well as I'm trying to get my daughter, who knows all about the technology stuff, to create an a, uh, Internet site for myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, I miss teaching, tell you the truth. I miss teaching because it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of uh, going on there that I missed, but I left uh, the teaching here in Fort Miami because I didn't like the people I was working with. Yeah, it's a shame. Hopefully one day I'll return. But meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, you see this gray here? I haven't got much <laughs> left, so I got to go ahead and do what I want to do right now and in, in the next few years, and that's to make more films
3: and very tell good. more stories. I look forward to hearing them and seeing them. Absolutely.
8: Thank you. All right, gentlemen.
3: All right, thank
2: you, George. Appreciate it. And yeah, uh, thank you very much. Um, looking forward to seeing, you, seeing your films. All right, enjoy it. All right, my friend. Take care. All right, Bye-bye. take care. All right, uh now uh Mark Mark is uh dropped off, uh whether it's a disconnection or not. Uh we, we do have Kelvin here. So uh, Kelvin, uh uh what's what's here, your story and and let us know all the, the stuff that um about the festival that you wanted to bring up and and so forth.
4: Yeah, so uh I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of uh N. Live, uh, and we are partnering with Adler and Mark to to bring this uh Halloween spectacular not a festival as as Mark said because there's no prize winner it's just a showcase for all these great art and you know the reason why we're working together to bring this together uh really is you know the mission of, of in live is to build a platform that allows creators uh to showcase their art in their way uh, and so a lot like the, the very talented folks that have been on this podcast a lot of what George said uh this is the wave of the future uh, we're, a lot, we're building a direct-to-consumer platform uh, where 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 artists, uh, filmmakers, musicians, whatever, uh, can actually build their own microsites and distribute things directly to the consumers uh, and fans in their way, control the price and control the narrative uh, and control the rights. Uh, and so, when you go to Indiescream. Uh, dot in. Dot live, that is an example of a microsite that we put together with Mark and Adler uh, to showcase these 46 great, uh, these 46 great films. Uh, and we have a lot of other uh, exciting content on there that allows people like George to do exactly what he wanted to do. How do I build a website that is a catalog of my legacy, my content, somewhere where I can control the pricing, uh, and somewhere where people can find me and I can market to them the way I want to and in my way. Uh, and so we're very excited to put this together. Uh, there's a lot more coming up. Uh, we got a few more uh, great projects in the queue. Uh, so looking forward and hopefully a lot of your, uh, uh, your listeners will tune in uh, and, and, and go by taking and support these great artists.
2: Now uh, I yeah. have a question for you. Uh, oh, yeah. Let me just ask this, Barrett. Uh, yeah. Go um, ahead. So, uh, me, me and Barrett, our, our day jobs uh we are we computer folk and, and uh we used to be big into i t and stuff now we're we're doing like a lot of customer reporting and whatnot so we're, we're kind of interested in this. uh is your company um uh, still private or are you guys uh, yeah. already Okay all right. And,
4: yeah, so uh, we're 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 a, we're a relatively young company. Uh believe it or not, we started before the pandemic. We're not one of the <laughs> 100 streaming companies that that came about in a in in a 2000 time period. Uh but you know, we really built a platform to empower artists. Our backgrounds as founders is, you know, we we've been 25 30 years in digital innovation, uh building platforms that have gone to like billions of of whatever metric you want to look at. Uh, and we really want to help bring some of the, the more powerful capabilities of digital interactivity and intimacy uh, to the art and the, and, and the entertainment community. Uh, and so that's what we're doing. Uh, so it's it's a, it's a young company. And so imagine if if you're an artist or a distributor or produ- production house and you had a private labeled SVOD or TVOD, pay-per-view or AVOD platform that you can license and create the experience that you want to uh that's
3: essentially what we are pretty
2: awesome uh barrett you had a question
3: Uh, so this is the first year you're doing this indie scream yeah this
4: is the first time we're doing indie scream uh you know and uh you know hopefully uh we're lining up a few more cool uh spectacular showcases festivals whatever word that uh would you want to use with with mark and a, a series of other producers distributors and artists direct so Uh, There's a lot of cool things. For example, we did a really, really cool uh, live theatrical production with Mark Ruffalo, Michael Cera, Gretchen Maul, uh, of uh, Kenny Lonergan's uh, uh, Hold On To Me Darling uh, last October. Uh, And just to give you a sense of like the power of these types of distribution platforms, uh, that uh, one night uh, uh, event, uh, we drew audiences from 28 different countries uh, and sold out the equivalent of over 10 theaters in one night. Uh, all to benefit Stella Adler C- Academy, uh, the alma mater of Mark Ruffalo. Uh, we did a movie premiere uh, for a, a, a indie film called North Hollywood, written and directed by a very talented African-American uh, artist named Mikey Alfred. Uh, it had uh, Pharrell Williams as a producer, Vince Vaughn, Miranda Cosgrove, Ryder McLaughlin were were stars in the film. And a lot like many other indie uh, film producers, uh, didn't get a distro deal. Uh, And so we helped him distribute on a microsite uh, in his brand, in his story. Uh, We did a red carpet live event where you were able able to combine really nice uh, post-production videos with live feeds, back to live interactive where fans would jump on. Pharrell did a drop into the, 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 uh, uh, the red carpet. Then it went on to do um, you know a 30-day limited release online, like a home theatrical release, six showings per day, uh, where it was tailored for different international audiences and things like that. Uh, and he was able to reach uh, ticket buyers in 119 countries over 30 days uh you know he started off with no reviews and uh he ended up with a 80/97 rotten tomato score uh went to tvod and premiered as the number one movie on apple movies first weekend out uh and so we got his story out there you know in the way he wanted to do it um and so we have um we just did another movie uh named Saving the Roar uh which was a really inspirational movie about the 2012 Penn State football team uh, that that came after the Jerry Sandusky and Joe Paterno crisis, and that movie release uh, reached you know 57 countries, over 4,000 cities, um, and so that's the kind of power that you can bring uh, to artists, producers, and distributors. And you know we're hoping that you know Indie Scream uh, reaches its audience. Uh, and know it's a short notice, but you know Halloween's right around the corner, uh, and we look forward to uh, all the fan engagement. I think the big powerful thing is that the fundamental fact is that. You know, you can do these live events, not just uh, not just SVOD, right? It's not just pay-per-view and VOD. Um, someone like George is going to come on and do his Q&A after his double feature. And what an amazing and, 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 and charismatic and intoxicating storyteller. And people can learn about him and hear about him and learn about things like Ceasefire and, and, and be looking forward to his next projects and things like that. And Mark can bring out the next series of films in the same way. So that's, that's, that's what makes us excited and get up in the morning.
3: Yeah. I want to say as a horror enthusiast, this is my thing. <laughs> so I like seeing this kind of thing out there. Um, so accessible. I think the price is right. Um, and you have a lot of options there. So I think that it's, it's gonna, it should be popular. Yeah. help I, I well, us so. get the word out. Yeah, indeed, indeed. We're going to for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we
0: really we really appreciate your help with this. I, I think uh, just from from uh, Philip from our conversations before and from this, you know, uh, and getting a chance to hear our filmmakers again, you know, I, I think it's going to be really just a terrific show. If, if you have an interest in horror or indie films, um, being able to chat live with the people and, and speak with the master, I'm, I'm sure Calvin, you probably just covered this because I'm signing back in. Uh, I had a a, a hard stop with somebody in uh, Malaysia. I had to talk to him real quick, so I apologize. But um, the, um, you know, it really is the the platform of being able to be live around the world is it, really pretty interesting. And hearing the stories, because horror filmmakers usually are, they just are relentless in making sure that they get a film made, you know? And so there's always interesting stories because they're like, you know, even if it's like, well, I had a cabin and I had a camera. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. So I was making this movie, and that's it. And uh, but that's one of the reasons I always try to circle back to, and I'm like, yes, you have to have that outflow. Yes, you have to chase your dream. I was like, but don't kill your dream by not like getting people to sign agreements. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or uh, or getting the proper sound and whatnot. Uh, because then you know you, you, you're only going to show it to your parents, <laughs> so um, you know. You know I, what's interesting, but,
4: uh, Mark, in, in the in the in the projects we've done. Not only is that live aspect of it really powerful for the storyteller, it also brings the storyteller and the fans together because the fans can tell stories about how impactful uh, the film or or the content was to them. Uh, when we did that movie, A uh, uh, Saving the Roar. Fans from all over the world were were responding back in chat uh and things like that, talking about like this story had to be told. We're so happy you guys finally told the story from a from the players and coaches perspective, not ESPN, not NBC and things like that. And so one of the things that I'm looking forward to, like like you were saying, uh, uh Barrett, is man, when you go onto the, the this indie scream uh showcase and Fans will be able to interact directly with the with the directors. It's going to be really fun. Uh, you know, yeah. there's going to be some really cool stories that come out of it. And it's also not only is, are the creators going to inspire the fans, but the fans can actually inspire the creators in their next project based upon their feedback. So uh, that's one yes. of the really cool things about uh, the digital platform.
3: Well, and I really think it's the future of conventions because more people can go. You, yeah. you have a lot more inclusivity than you would have otherwise. Yeah. yeah and and also
4: like for some people they 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 want to watch it from the privacy of their home uh you know they want to be able to uh pause and and go back and relive that moment in the film that really got them uh and they they want to be able to Uh, enjoy it with their family and friends who may be all distributed around the world. They just buy the tickets to the same showing and they're in the sidebar chat together. And what's really cool is like when you do a special event and the director drops into that same sidebar chat. Imagine like that story you could have with your friends and family that you would never be able to do if you were just were constrained to just the physical world options.
2: Well, and, and, you know, it's funny is that both George Fernandez and Justin Nesbitt tonight have both stated that, you know, uh, everything's changing and, and, and with technology and whatnot. And, and this is exactly what I think they both were referring to. And, and to be honest, um, I, I think it is a better solution than uh, a live location. You know, that's always good, but if if you can, have people who don't have to fly thousands of miles, uh, and as you said, Mark, uh, you know this is international now, world. It's not just you know locally at New York City or or LA or Chicago or wherever. So uh, I think this is fantastic, and uh, it allows people to get. Uh, to see things that they otherwise wouldn't see. I mean, someone in, K- in Kentucky or, or Vermont, you know, how how are they going to go to one of these big cities to see stuff like this when now they can because of you know stuff like what you're doing, Calvin, and, and what you you set up here, Mark. So I think this is fantastic.
0: Thank you. I, I think the other thing to be said is you know to people that would argue the other way and say, so well, you know, film, you got to see it in a in a theater. But this, this is the future. And I don't think one negates the other because I think the experience that you could have, especially with something like this that's live around the world, people kind of uh, like to be comfortable in their own home. And having a discussion and a unique experience in this platform is really more conducive to a discussion because not everybody's got a big mouth like me and wants to talk all the time. You know? <laughs> but, but, but when they're home in front of their keyboard, they're more likely to engage and say, you know, they don't need their friend nudging them to say, Hey, go up and get ask that question. That's a good question. You know, whatever the case may be. And then they got to walk up to the front and stand there and wait for the moderator to grab them. They can just participate. And they, and because they've been part of it and immersed in it along with the filmmaker through the film, I think it's really, um, a, a unique and different experience that, 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 um, Is more of a whole, and uh, Calvin could probably expand on that a little bit, but but from what I see, uh, you know, when online events are successful, that seems to be part of it, because you're comfortable, you're home, you're doing what you like to do, you're chatting, oh, did you see that, did you catch that in the live chat, and then, you know, you're not, you're, you're already engaged.
4: Yeah, and one of the things that we've seen is when you add a live component to a show, um the tune in and engagement is 3 times if you just had a pre-record because it's the thrill of not knowing uh what's going to happen and, and things like that so you know we're we're big fans of entertainment overall uh, we don't think, as, as Mark said so so poignantly, we don't think one trumps the other. We think they're very complementary. Uh, there's going to be events that are going to be really, really compelling for you to go in person. I, you know, I'm a big sports fan, as you can tell from my backdrop there. Uh, that's where the <laughs> San Francisco Giants play. Uh, there's something very compelling about going and seeing it with 42,000 other fans and that electricity of being in person. But you know, I still watch more games broadcast through uh, digital and, and TV than I do in person uh, because there's a very compelling part of that experience as well. My, 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 my life partner, Christine, she loves to say, if I can get crook and cripe who are the announcers uh, for the Giants. If they could be in my ear the whole time when I'm at the real game, so I know what's <laughs> going on and their stories, that would be that would be awesome. Uh, and and so there's 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 a great complementary nature to it. And so we don't think that it's cannibalizing. We think it's just adding more more experiences and more and more ways of expressing as an artist. Uh, how do reflect on life as, 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 George was saying so eloquently, he's like, just watch how people are engaging. When, when you're at a mall and you see how they're, they're communicating now and, and the way they shop and the way they look, uh, this is just part of the new world.
3: Well, and not everything can get into the theater. So there's a lot of things you're making available here that I might not have been able to see, you know, 20 years ago because it was so hard to get things into the theater because only a limited amount can go. So, yeah i, I remember right? there was a uh, film
2: uh the guest uh adam wingard and justin uh, and, uh simon barrett's film that came out a few years ago and and uh, we wanted to uh do a review on the film and, and and talk about it and whatnot but it only had a limited release at theaters and it didn't even have a vod release until like a year later so you know this was a this was a great film that that a lot of people missed and Simon Barrett on his commentary for seance mentioned how because of that film's failure at the box office uh he had to do his film seance uh as an independent production before it was picked up and and the thing is 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 had had he had, had something like this you know a few years ago maybe him and adam Wingard who who now has done Godzilla vs uh, King Kong they this film the Guest could have been a, a big film could have got noticed and stuff, and so I, I think this is just you know fantastic. Uh, people have surround sound systems in their homes now and and you don 't really need theaters i mean I mean not that there 's anything wrong with theaters, but um, i I saw um, halloween kills and and uh um, dune i get to see it right in my home because now now it's that's an option and and that's just fantastic so whether it's a big film like those or, or these indie films that barrett's talking about that we couldn't see like the guest uh this is a, a perfect uh a way to do
3: it so uh, i'm sure. glad you guys are doing this yeah I'm, I'm glad i'm getting to be a part of you know announcing this event and everything so
0: Thank you, you, Brad. I really, really appreciate it. I think for a horror enthusiast like you, you you really get it. Because one of the things, uh, one of the terminologies that gets thrown around a lot now in different industries is this this deep dive. And I think for somebody that's into filmmaking or into horror films, this really gives you a chance to kind of go down the rabbit hole, you know, and do that deep dive with filmmakers, with horror, with indies and kind of say, you know, I love this world. I I love filmmaking. I love horror films. And to and to have a very unique experience. And where I think probably guys like you and Philip and I and a lot of your listeners are tend to do that anyway. You know, like I think even before I really got into this part of the industry, I would watch a movie and be like, who directed that? okay, let's see what else they directed. Let me watch everything they directed. You know, I you know, go see it. You know, I love this actor. Well, X-ray is very another.
3: important. X-ray on my Amazon <laughs> okay. Prime where it tells me everything about it and who's in it. And yeah. 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 Oh, yeah I, I, go to, I go to IMDb, you know, all, all the time to make sure, um,
2: you know, like like you just said, Mark, uh, what other films has this writer or this director have done? And then, and then, you know, I add them to my list of the people I follow. So, um yeah that's that's fair points now now uh mark mark um uh we were talking to calvin and he earlier but when you were talking to some the folks in malaysia uh that this is the first time you guys have have done something like this um so i assume if, if it goes well you guys would probably try to make it maybe a yearly thing or or even uh you know for you know whenever you have stuff going you know because you guys do yeah. the minute films as well
0: well, this is, this really came came about uh, one because Halloween was around the corner, and I was already um, talking to people about Halloween fair and stuff and buyers. But you know, it's like Barrett had mentioned earlier about getting things out there that you know maybe people didn't have a chance to see because it was in the theater, or it didn't have that marketing push behind it. Uh, and one of the things is really I wanted the feeling, and that's why I wanted all the filmmakers really to to be part of the call is. Um, to give them a chance to promote themselves and the movies. I mean, we're we're a true indie um, sales agent distributor. You know, we we represent a lot of films from all over the world, uh, and our films, um, you know, they're they're indie films. You know, they're they're not necessarily something that you slide across the table uh, to somebody. And they say based on the one sheet, oh, I'll buy this unless it's a complete train wreck because it's, it's an action movie with action cast. And I know that director's track record and so, on, you know, and they really need these opportunities like this. And I think this is a unique opportunity, um, you know, to see their journey and to hear their, their story and hear how it got made and got, and got out there. And we wanted to create that for them. Uh, that's why I didn't want it to be a festival. I didn't want to give out awards. I didn't want them to compete. I just wanted them to celebrate and tell their story and, and, and get it out there and get excited. And, I mean, literally when I told the filmmakers, but I was like, go brag, tell people, you know, the, your film, you know, talk about your film, go tell them that this is going on, you know, uh, because, you know, it, it's one of the things that, that I try to get into the filmmakers head because, you know, I, I've been on the other side and it's really, if you care about your art, you really got to care about the promotion and the business of it because, you know, it gets easier. People know who you are. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's that's just the, the way it is. So I, I'm really excited about the opportunity that you guys gave us here to, to promote it. And it was really a lot of fun. I was literally I kept emailing the person I had to speak to. Be like, can we push it an hour? Can we push it an hour? Because <laughs> I didn't want I, I didn't want to want to sign off. So I I, I was so glad when you guys were still here. Now, um,
2: so to wrap up, we, we've been on it for about two hours, and, I, and we, we've had a great discussions with all the filmmakers that, that you brought on, uh, and then Calvin uh, talked about um, the software behind what what makes this possible. Uh, what, what else do you guys want to uh, promote or, or let us know about uh, for you know the listeners before we wrap up?
8: Um,
0: well, I think if you do know, uh, as far as us, you can find us on on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook under Adler and Associates entertainment.com. If you're a filmmaker uh, with a completed film or a film that's, you know, in post, we're happy to take a look at it. We're doing a tremendous expansion uh, with our company um, to, we'll be financing a lot more and we're not giving up on smaller films, um, but we are really kind of, when we were a new company, just to to wrap it up real quick, we said, Oh, we're a new company. Let's work with new filmmakers and mentor and teach them. Uh, and, and build an ongoing relationship, and and for the general um, uh, part of that strategy, it worked very well. But we didn't anticipate the marketing, the market, rather, to continue to change the way it did. So we can't really shepherd filmmakers the way that we did in the past and kind of fix their films, unless they really, um, if the film is is, it doesn't mean it has to be easy to sell. It just has to mean it's, it, you know, that the film is good, and the filmmaker wants the information if they're a new filmmaker. They want to understand how their delivery is affected. They want to understand the marketplace. They want the information. Um, We're happy to take them on. But most of the films we're taking on now, we're producing a lot more with with our own filmmakers, uh, co-production. So um, this kind of event is something that I think we're hoping, uh, and our CEO said, you know, for horror films, we think it's great, but maybe even other other events in the future, you know, uh, whether it's socially conscious or, um, you know, um, you know, or, um, romance and, you know, or Valentine's Day, you know, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but something that can really celebrate, uh, different genres and the filmmakers.
2: Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, now Calvin, what about yourself? Um, you, you want to, uh, once again, let folks know, uh, about the software. Yeah. I
4: mean, uh, for any of the, the, the content creators out there, regardless of, uh, film, music, uh, episodics, uh, social justice, whatever it might be, uh, feel free to contact us at in.live, no com, no dot com is needed, just in.live. Um, and Facebook is at real.in.live. Uh, Instagram is at in.live2020. Uh, Twitter is at in live now. Uh And, you know, we, we help power all sorts of, of executions. The way we describe it is, we help people put on shows, not streams, right? Streams are one signal, uh, and it's either live or recorded. Shows are a mixture of different art forms, recorded, live, multiple switches, whatever you want, to make it as compelling an experience as possible. And we look forward to continue to work with uh, more people like Mark and his, his filmmakers and bringing more art to the world.
2: Excellent, fantastic. Uh so uh once again, uh folks who are listening to this through Stitcher, Apple, Tune iTunes or whatever it's called now, uh or whatever, um, if you forget any of those uh links, uh you can always go to darkdiscussions.com and uh click on the episode link and uh all the, the links to uh these things will be there. Uh, including the festival or quote unquote festival, because again, it's, it's more to uh, get folks together and to promote these great films. Uh, So uh, pretty much uh, that's it for tonight. Uh, Thanks, uh, Mark. Thanks, uh, Calvin. Uh, We're all looking forward to uh, checking out uh, the festival and um, hopefully a lot of the listeners will as well. Uh, We get a a good number of folks that listen and and a lot of them are really into uh, independent horror films because usually our top, Twenty horror films of the year are mostly—I uh, would say about eighty percent of them—are indie films rather than the Hollywood films. So, uh, a lot of the films that just pop up on VOD uh, that never even make it to theaters, except for the you know the local one theater that the director comes from. So, um, I'm sure sure uh, you're going to get uh, a good number of folks from our listener group uh, to check out the the festival. So, uh, th- thanks a lot for coming on, both of you. Thank
0: and you. Thank you. Thank
2: Uh,
3: you. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks for joining us on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Join us again when we have something completely different.